You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everybody. It's America. We're back for another session of In the Open. And today I have Teresa here with me. Say hi. Hi, everyone. So we haven't been together in a while, but today we're going to be talking about what is community and how do I find it? And we're kicking off a new series in commemoration of B.B. Moore Campbell National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, or what we call BIPOC Mental Health Month. We're very excited about this. So Teresa, first question, what is community for you? What does that look like for you? I mean, it's funny because I was like, okay, what I think about what community is versus what I feel is community is two different things. And that's why I think it does cause angst in people. Mm-hmm. I don't know that's what if that's what you feel. But just for me as a kid who was Vietnamese, growing up in a pr- predominantly Latino community, that word always felt weird for me. Because as a kid, I would always tell my mom, I'm Mexican. <laughs> yeah, you've like, said that before, which is I know, hilarious. And I think it spoke to something inside of me of wanting to belong somewhere. But that's because you had um, you had friends and stuff that were Mexican, right? You grew my up in that neighborhood. Mexican, my friends were Mexican. Yeah. I ate Mexican food. <laughs> and I ate Vietnamese food at home. But because of who I was, too, in my Vietnamese community... People would call me Twinkie, Banana, and I spoke Vietnamese, but I was shy. And also my name means, if you say it wrong, means something mean, and I was bullied horribly. So I have a complex relationship with my cultural community. Okay. So then when you say that word, like, oh, what's your community? I think about my historical cultural community, but do I feel a part of that? Like, that's been really hard. And I, I, I love my culture, and I love my community. Um, but I, I have a, I la- have a lot of big feelings associated with that because of growing up here and not in Vietnam, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like, though, from what you're saying, did you have to come to love your cultural community as an adult? Because some of the angst that you had as a kid kind of didn't allow for that. Yeah, and that's even more complicated that I'm just starting to unpack now in my mid-40s, you know? Cause yeah. One of the things I realized was being an immigrant and growing up in a different – in a place where everybody looked differently than I did and not feeling like I belonged there, but also growing up where I experienced trauma by Mm -hmm. people who did look like me. Oh, interesting. Made me extra hate my culture. Yeah. And like have conflicting feelings and it made it very easy for me to want to assimilate or be someone else. And I'm just starting to unpack that now. Like, why did I have certain friends? Why did I look for certain partners? Why did I have specific ideas about people and felt like very free to just say things that were really stupid, you know, mm-hmm. was born out of trauma? But it was not that was like, yes, the trauma as a child, but also just what it meant to grow up in a place that looked different than the way I looked makes that whole thing quite complicated. So yeah, I, I honestly just recently, a simple question like my husband says, I want you to teach our children how to speak your language. And, and my children, like English? yeah, 
yeah, at seven, my child's seven and I'm still dragging my feet. I'm like, well, if you want to do it, then you got to go look for it. And I'm like, what is my deal? Like, why am I rejecting my culture? And and part of it is identifying that my my community and my culture, it's easily accessible through food. Mm-hmm. And I feel very comfortable going to a restaurant, a Vietnamese restaurant, and finding community there and, and sharing my that with my children in that way. But I could not walk to a community center and be involved in a way that was deeper than just ordering a bowl of food. That's that's very interesting and it's very complex. I think you're touching on so many different aspects of this relationship that we have with our culture, even more so where, where now the struggle is, I want to connect, not really sure if I feel safe to do that. Yeah, like but because I'm afraid to get bullied, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or and just then, look dumb. <laughs> yeah. And then be kind of accepted, right? Within that. So yeah. that kind of is in the same kind of vein of vulnerability. I, my experience isn't different. Um, it, it's a little different in that, you know, when, when you see me, I think oftentimes pe- people will say, oh, you're Mexican or you're Salvadorian or something. And I'm like, no, I'm Bolivian, you know? And then they're like, Oh, well, where is that? And I'm like, that little that little face that they make, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to educate you if that's okay. You know, I've had to learn how to do that because sometimes it comes off as ignorance and other times it comes off as curiosity and, and there's a fine line between the two. And I remember growing up, you know, one, we have a very large Bolivian community here in, in Virginia. And I remember like having like Bolivian festivals and there's Bolivian restaurants and there was an appreciation for that. And my parents kind of pushed that. But there are folks in our community that engage in like doing the dances and doing all these things. And I'm like, I'm not that much of a Bolivian. Yeah. (laughs) And there's that struggle of kind of, it's not me negating that. It's just... I, I, it's that kind of place that you're talking about. I'm not sure if I fit enough. Yeah. Or if I'm going to be like questioned, do you fit enough here? Do you even speak the language? I'm like, I can speak the language. Yeah. But that's, that's an interesting kind of concept to even consider. I love that though. How much do you belong here? Tells you right off the bat how comfortable you're going to feel in the space because I felt more comfortable in a 12-step meeting (laughs) than I ever did being at a Vietnamese festival, even though you would normally say like, oh, a 12-step meeting is super scary. Like, you want to go there and talk about all your addiction shames? You know, like, I'd be like, yes, these are my people. (laughs) Yeah. um, Hold on. You're bringing something up because, you know, my fiance, he's, I would consider him much more Bolivian than I am. Uh-huh. Because he grew up there, you know, very much more traditional in that way where I grew up here. And so there are moments for me, I think music is really critical when I hear kind of our traditional music. I'm like, oh, wow, there's like a longing for and an appreciation for it. And he's mm-hmm. like, you're so Bolivian. And I'm like, why? I'm just enjoying the music. But he's the one that knows like all the dances and knows how to like 
the protocols that are supposed to be followed and whatnot, you know? Oh, that's so interesting because you're tapping into what I also think is a layer of historical community Mm -hmm. because I think music does have the capacity to do that. When I listen to old traditional Vietnamese music, it does stir up something inside of me that you're like, is that genetic? I think so. Does that come from my ancestors that the cadence of this, if you are not Vietnamese, it might sound, I could see it sounding to their ears like annoying Mm -hmm. because it's Mm -hmm. a lot of plucking, Mm -hmm. like a guitar plucking, but not not like a beautiful harp. Yeah. Yeah. Not like a violin, you know, but something about it. I, I do like, even though I have this, I have this other feeling about my culture, you know, maybe that's the right access, you know, to like, it makes me think about like you tippy toeing, you know, into these spaces. Uh, Like I have an, I have a really good friend of mine who's Puerto Rican and, you know, Puerto Rico within this whole space of like, cultural pride man they are like at the top you know wherever you are and you identify as puerto rican you're like yeah boricua 100 percent, and they go above and beyond really to continue to bring that forward like you see it in the puerto rican day parade and it's like a big thing and children all the way through the older generations are part of that effort and i think oftentimes across the u.s communities have created these spaces where it is completely safe for you to maybe not necessarily feel comfortable, but you can just tiptoe in and be like, okay, let me see if I get a good feeling here. Yeah. And do that slowly, you know? Yeah. Maybe there's also a sense that some communities are much better than others at being very welcoming. Yeah. Is that what I was tapping into with 12 Step? You know, because they're very good. Are they? Or did I just feel comfortable? I don't know. You know what I mean? That's a hard question to ask. There's two things that immediately come to mind when you say that. One is, in my experience, when I have been in a community that is predominantly of color, okay, Hispanic, Asian, Black, whatever, not Caucasian, there is this warmth that you're like, oh, you're welcome here. Okay. I have experienced that. And in other spaces, I've experienced the latter part, the other side of that. And the white folks have looked at me like, you don't belong here. You need to get out of here. And so Oftentimes that speaks to my own kind of racialized trauma around the relationships that I've had where, you know, I, I will feel safer in communities of color because I don't know, it's just, it's a, it's like kind of, I don't know if it's genetic, it's learned experience. It's kind of all of that. Just be like, okay, I will, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to add a layer to it, Okay, which is that wealth, income. Mm-hmm. was a factor I find, right? Because I grew up poor. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty comfortable in poor communities. And I don't know how to act when I'm around rich people. Yeah, yeah. And so you. like, if you combine the way my face looks, and other other factors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that like makes it extra, you know? Yes. Whereas like, I totally. could probably I'm pretty comfortable around poor white people. 
I don't know if that's something I have inside of me and the way I put it out there that you're right. Or that no, they think- are too, because people who are poor, we when you're poor, you have to be communal. It's not a freaking option. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so maybe being poor also makes us more welcoming because we just bring each other around. Like it's we've had right. the there, there's a learned there's a learned component of we have to come together to help us all. Yeah. And that definitely is that that communal aspect and that um collectivist kind of aspect of it. And you know, when you're talking about these other layers, man, you know what comes to mind is immediately like, and I've been in different spaces, right, where I'm in rooms with like CEOs or whatever, but the person that I feel closest to is the one that's, you know, pitching water, you know, worker. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm the one that says hello to them. And, you know, most often they're Spanish. And even if they're not Spanish, you know, Spanish speakers, I say hi. And most people don't even register that they're in the room. But I make it a point of, of being very intentional about that because it's been done to me. So that that layer is also there. I think, too, sometimes when we're in this place of kind of a loss of community that you're not sure where you fit in, it's okay to kind of explore the things that maybe may feel more natural to you, Right. Maybe it is you just going to go get some food, but just sitting in that restaurant helps you like disconnect from the trauma piece and just connect in that moment and say, okay, even here, we're learning a little bit and reconnecting with who we are as people. That music that you're talking about, that feeling that you get, I I get that too. Like we have a lot of um, the pan flutes, you know, we have pan flutes in, in the indigenous music and it's just... It just fills my body with joy to hear it. Yeah. And maybe that's where, you know, we, where you start. Mm-hmm. I love, I love the, the idea of tiptoeing, but to do that, being comfortable with sitting with yourself mm-hmm. and asking the question, who are you? <laughs> who am I? Yeah. Um, to find out who I'm comfortable with. We don't do that enough. Why don't they have a whole class on that in school? Like, it makes it so upsetting that so much of our education that isn't allowing a space for that emotional, social emotional space is like, is answering some of the most important questions of our lives. Like, who are you? Who are you comfortable with? That is how you find community, your community. And if you don't know that, if you never know your identity, if you never feel comfortable in your own skin, that is a huge reason for isolation and loneliness. I think too, you know, I was in an Uber last week and um, the the gentleman who was driving, inevitably, he's just like chit-chatting with me and he's like, where are you from? And I was like, oh, I live in Virginia, you know? And he was like, no, but where are you really from? <laughs> and I was like, I, I, you know, I wanted to just go in a different direction. I was like, I'm, I was actually born in Bolivia, but I was raised here in the United States. So I'm a mix of both worlds. And he was like, oh, that's, that's nice. And then um, my fiance was in the car. So he asked him, he's like, are you, are you Bolivian? Or are you like both? Like she says, like, and he says it like that, right? And he's like, oh, no, I'm Bolivian. And then I said, well, where are you from, sir? And he's like, oh, I'm Iranian. And I said, oh, okay, that's amazing. You know, we're all immigrants. And he's like, yeah, but see, I would never call myself American like the way that you called yourself American. And I said, 
Well, that's understandable. If you came at a later age, you know, you have, I think, deeper roots to your culture. I am really a mix of both worlds. And he was like, I had never thought about that. And I said, well, you know, I really identify as Bolivian American. And he was like, I will forever say I'm Iranian. More power to you, I said. That's fabulous. Yeah. You know, so it is about finding who and what community you really connect with. Yeah. But also being respectful of the fact that you can't automatically be like, well, yeah, well, you know, yeah, I am Vietnamese and I'm going to go and explore everything that has to do with Vietnam. And that that makes it all tangible. It's like, no, that takes time. Yeah. And when we first did this recording, I was like, oh, I'm Vietnamese. Like if people are ask me what my ethnicity is, like that is. But if you ask me if that's my community, that's the where it's a problem, right? Right. Because, but because I can't marry those two together. But because those two words in our society are so tied together, mm-hmm. then I can't uncouple them, even though something inside my heart recognizes that I need to, to just heal some of that space before I can invite it back in. Right. And then invite your children into that too. That's even more difficult because that's like effort. <laughs> And like working against something that I'm fighting that I don't even know why I'm fighting it, you know? Mm-hmm. So can you give me advice as someone who is comfortable with your Bolivian culture? What would you say to me as a person who is struggling with my ethnic culture and community so that I can open up that space and find find that? I, I You know, I would say you have to spend time with folks who make you feel tied to that culture in a positive way you're saying i gotta go back to church <laughs> maybe that's where that's where <laughs> culture and community kind of coalesce for you i spent a lot of time in bolivia and i was growing up like i would spend the summers there mm-hmm. so it gave me an opportunity to live within the bolivian culture and then with through that process i i really then was like oh my god this doesn't feel right i'm going to keep this side but then this other side didn't feel right so i keep other aspects And that's been, it's a process. It's still ongoing. But really where I find joy in my community is definitely through food. So that's something that you should always do. The other is through music. Music for me is really critical. And I'm also like an inquisitive person. So I want to read and learn things. I could always learn more. I don't know everything that has to be about Bolivia, which is sad. It's sad. But I don't know everything that has to do with the United States either. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah. You have to take your time and, and find find a place that you feel comfortable. What what rings true to me from like a research and mental health perspective is you're talking about exposure mm-hmm. and like system systematic desensitization. <laughs> like this causes me feelings. And if I really want it and when I'm ready, I can just continue to take small steps that direction and do it the way that I can and probably be more intentional. Like when I'm doing it, sit down and don't just flee or go into my brain. Like listen, be present, say words like this is your people. (laughs) Well, you know, we're lucky here in Northern Virginia that we have so much diversity and there are so many cultural hubs here. There's like, you know, areas where you find Central Americans, South Americans, everything. 
the whole Eden Center here in Northern Virginia is a whole community of people. And I would say in all of those spaces, the first thing that you do is eat. It's such an important part of our culture, of our cultures in general. That's the way that we commune. That's the way that we connect. And that's the way we learn. And as a starting place, be very conscientious of how you're stepping into those spaces. We forget oftentimes that as immigrants, people have come before us that have created spaces for us to feel safe because they had to do it for their own safety. And over time, things may have grown or maybe there have been efforts to try to erase those spaces. But ultimately, they still persist. So go find them. And I'm going to keep tiptoeing in and just sit with like, who who am I? What does feel right? And, and that's enough, you know? Yeah. I think that sometimes we also feel shame about like, not being Bolivian enough or mm-hmm. not being Vietnamese enough. But yep. that's that's like something your brain is putting on you. That doesn't have to be something you own because you may identify or feel more comfortable in different spaces. It doesn't have to be one. It doesn't have to be cultural. It doesn't have to be gamers. I don't know, you know, like yeah, a yeah. sport person. You don't, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to do the sports or know the gaming if what you really jazz with is like something totally different you know, a lot of it is letting go of expectations and accepting who we are and feeling full in just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just being comfortable and full in who you are. And that's all you have to be. Yeah. Because the only person that matters in that acceptance is myself. I don't have to seek the approval of other people if I know that I am also believe that I'm a good person. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone, we're going to keep talking about this. Um, More to come in the series. Keep fighting in the open. We're going to check you out next week. All righty. Bye. Bye.